has already been a time of marvelous worship, and I hope and pray that you feel the same. We read this morning in our reading Psalm chapter 50, the last verse has much to do with our text in that chapter, Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me, and to him that ordereth his conversation aright, but in all things by prayer, will I show the salvation of God. Amazing. Also, there is a promise in that chapter 50 of Psalms the Lord gave me 36 years ago, and it's still being fulfilled by His grace and mercy. Philippians chapter 4, I have been excited all week, mixed with anxiety a little bit, good anxiety, not bad, and humbled uh, about preaching on this text, and I pray God would give me the grace to be able to preach it in a manner that would be first and foremost glorifying to Him, but my greatest desire next to that is that you, his people, his children, would find comfort in these words of Paul. So we sing in that last hymn, I felt so sorry for those who know not Christ. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord. Went through fiery trials, went through woes and deep sorrows. He'll still be our stay and those who know not Christ knows nothing of that comfort, and that bothers me. So I hope if you're here this morning and know not Christ, I pray God would soften your heart and allow you to understand the rich blessings Christians have in Christ, and that that would drive you to repentance and to seek God for grace and mercy that you might know those same wonderful blessings which Christ so freely gives his chosen. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I... I'm excited, and yet, Father, I feel so unworthy. There's just so much in this text. And, Lord, I've had trouble this week trying to, trying to contain it all and find direction from Thee. I pray that, Lord, You'd bless us this morning. Help me, Father, I pray, for I cannot, I cannot do this on my own. I am not sufficient. I pray You'd help me. Lord God, help me that I might be a blessing to Thy children. Help me first and foremost that I might glorify thee, but Lord, I pray that you would help me to feed your flock, which you've purchased with your own blood. Lord, these words have great comfort and encouragement for the troubled and anxious soul. Lord, I pray that you'd speak peace to your people. And I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. You know, there are many things that simply amaze me <clears throat> about the Word of God but none so wonderful and yet so humbling than its divine ability to quicken 
our hearts and our minds in such a way that regardless of how many times we may have read, meditated, even preached honest divine truths, there are times that it appears that we're reading those same divine truths for the very first time. And that's what happened to me this last week. I have preached on this text many times. I have read it over the last 35, 40 years, countless times. Uh, this week when I read it, it was like I was reading it for the very first time. And my heart was greatly stirred and motivated by this wonderful exhortation of Paul. And I wondered, could such a thing be considered that first love from which the church at Ephesus was guilty of leaving in Revelations chapter 2, verse 14? I have somewhat against thee because you've left your first love. For though, dearly beloved, we should long and desire to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to Second Peter 3, and though we should seek to wean ourselves from the sincere milk of the Word as babes under the strong meat of God's Word, may we never be guilty of losing those first impressions of that first love for Christ and His Word. Open thou mine eyes, cried the psalmist, that I may behold wondrous, wondrous things out of thy law. Help me to see them. May God grant us this morning a touch, a sense of that first love so that we might also this morning listen to these words as though it was the first time we've ever heard them. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What a firm foundation. There is in these words, dearly beloved, a beautiful simplicity. Yet, I believe a divine truth of such glory and majesty that we are left feeling humbly grateful for the tender mercies and grace of our God. I have heard this text preached in many ways. Now, this last week, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but this last week, I tried every day on my lunch break to listen to another speaker on this text. And to tell you the truth, in many ways, I was greatly grieved for most of the men that I listened to generalized these passages of Scripture, ignoring the substance and the heart of these words of Paul generalizing it to merely say, it's a commandment, don't worry, just pray. And I thought how unbecoming that is 
of the spirit of Paul in our text who begins this chapter 4 with these words, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Uh, listen to those words and then say, and then listen to Paul's word, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer. What a warm and compassionate exhortation. And I thought to myself, in a way, they're adding worry upon those who are worrying by saying, oh no, I'm not keeping the commandment. Say that to one who's worrying and see if it helps diminish his anxiety and worry. What does a worry and anxious-filled heart need but comfort and encouragement that you don't have to be afraid? That's why I'm so thankful that when it comes to the matter of the true believer's heart, especially those things that cause it to trouble and grief, God exercises the greatest compassion and most tender mercies. Have you ever noticed that in Scripture? When it comes to the heart of the true believer, God exercises the greatest compassion and most tender mercies. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid, our Lord said in John 14. Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. The protection of his child and treasure, we just sang, is a charge that on himself he laid. Aren't you thankful this morning as a child of God when it comes to the matters of the heart? especially those things that grieve and trouble us, that God exercises His greatest compassion and most tender mercy. And in many ways, like in our text, God Himself is the one that gives us a heart of flesh to receive such comforts. You remember those words in John 14? Let not your heart be troubled. Do you believe in God? Believe also in me? You know when those words were spoken? After John chapter 13, when the Lord said, you're all going to forsake me, one's going to deny me three times, and one is going to also betray me. After all that, the Lord says, but let not your heart be troubled. Isn't it amazing how God prepares our hearts to receive His tender mercies and grace? <sighs> be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer. Same thing here. Be careful for nothing. An exhortation in the form of a commandment. But immediately says, but in everything by prayer. You know what prayer is to the believer? A prayer is something that is very dear to the believer. So these words of exhortation actually prepare our hearts to pray. And I hope we see that this morning. Be careful for nothing, Paul says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. The anxious and troubled soul is directed to seek the peace of God, which passes all understanding, so that his heart and mind can be kept through Jesus Christ. That's an amazing promise. The anxious and troubled soul is not strictly given a command, but he's given a command with compassion. 
I don't want you to be troubled or anxious about anything. And as we'll see later, it is a danger to the believer's faith, and it's a danger to the believer's spiritual well-being. But Paul is warningly exhorting them. He wants them to receive this exhortation with humility and understanding. I don't want you to be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer, seek the peace of God which will keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. That's what an anxious and careful, troubling soul desires. He desires peace. He said, but you must seek it by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. I still believe this is a most amazing exhortation and one of the warmest, most compassionate found in Scripture. And yet I fear many fall short of enjoying the fullness of its blessings because of a mere superficial understanding of its truth. And I myself found myself to be guilty this past week of this because I have read it many times, preached on it a few times, and basically, before this week, I could basically say, the Bible says not to worry about anything but pray. We're supposed to just, we're praying. Oh, there's much more in this text. Much more in this text. And as I prayed and saw God, it began to expound even more and more, and I felt overwhelmed. And I thought, Lord, there's so much here. It's like I'm reading it for the first time. But let us briefly examine what we've already learned first. I'm purposely taking my time on this text. I hope it does not expound too far to where it dulls you, but I'm perfect. I'm purposely taking my time because of the significance of what Paul is talking about. Because I'm telling you, like we said last week, I'm telling you, this is a threat to the believer's spiritual well-being, and we are not spared anxiety and worry as Christians. But there's something here which I believe many of us have missed. And I hope and pray that God would and graft it within our hearts. First of all, what we've learned, and briefly, is the seriousness and magnitude of this exhortation. Be careful, anxious, troubled, and the words for nothing. We need to understand the magnitude of that if we're going to understand why it takes the peace of God Nothing short than the peace of God to quiet our anxious souls. Oh, I'm going to just tell you to stop worrying. Yeah, like that's going to work. <laughs> Didn't work that way. Paul doesn't say be careful or anxious for a few things, or some things, or most things, but he says be careful for nothing. There are so many things in this present life, which we saw last week, which gives us reason to be careful and anxious. Yet the divine exhortation is that we be careful, anxious, for nothing. For nothing. That is a huge exhortation. These words of the Apostle Paul should immediately strike our hearts with great awe and wonder for that we might of ourselves overcome or elude some anxiety worries we can agree on. There's some things that we can elude or overcome, some small worries. Well, we can figure this out in our minds. We kind of work that situation out. There are some things we can of ourselves. 
concerning worry and anxiety overcome. Yet this divine exhortation quickly removes any hope in ourselves which turn uh, opens our hearts to Paul's divine remedy. But by prayer, this divine exhortation uh, destroys any hope of ourselves of getting rid of all worry. Paul immediately humbles us by this. Be careful for nothing. Think about that for a minute. I mean, good we look at it as being something that Paul is, is stating. It's a declaration. It is a commandment. But think about it for a minute. This is a, this is a huge exhortation. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm immediately humbled by this. Lord, there's no way of myself I can not worry about nothing. The magnitude of that exhortation goes far beyond anything I'm capable of myself of doing. I cannot perform that. So Paul brings our hearts and our minds to embrace the remedy for that. Just like the Lord prepared the hearts and minds of the disciples for the exhortation and the comfort and the encouragement, let not your heart be troubled by first troubling their hearts. Because if you look at those texts in chapter 13 to 14 of John, it was the Lord who troubled their hearts. Uh, you're all going to forsake me and leave me. Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Judas is going to betray me. But let not your heart be troubled. Oh, the sovereignty and goodness and grace of God that he would humble our prideful, arrogant hearts, that we might receive his blessed truths, is an amazing thing for the believer. We're not, we're not mad or angry or upset when God humbles us. Be careful for nothing. Puts the believer immediately into the dust and ashes and says, Lord, I can't do that of my own. I can't, I can't stop my heart and my mind from worrying. It's impossible. Paul says, good, you're in the right state of mind. Now listen. But in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Oh, the heart has been prepared. That an anxious and troubled spirit is a threat to the true believer's spiritual well-being and faith, dearly beloved, is a divine truth that all believers understand. It can cause us to doubt and unfaithfulness. It can cause us to be disbelieving God. It can cause us to dishonor God. We're all aware of that. We know that anxious and troubled spirit can cause all of those things. It's a threat to the believer's spiritual well-being. Which makes this exhortation very important to every true believer. But Paul doesn't speak these words of exhortation as a mere commandment. Because like I said, if you're troubled and anxious about something and it's causing you to doubt and fear, commandment by itself avails nothing but can add to your fear and worry that you're not obeying. Taskmasters, I command you to stop fearing. Okay, but how? <laughs> Paul doesn't use that in that fashion. Listen closely to me because 
I know there's a lot of people that might disagree with me, but I'm telling you, even though it is in the form of commandment, it's a commandment with compassion. Paul doesn't leave it that they, they give it a wrong sense. They, they kind of make themselves taskmasters. You know, there's nothing in this life Christians should be worried about, nothing in this life Christians should care about, because we have God, so we should live a carefree, trouble-free, worry-free life. Let me tell you something. That individual has never tried to live for God or never faced his own heart. Because each and every one of us in this room tonight, today must humbly confess there are things we worry about, things we have no control over, we tend to worry about. What's the remedy? <laughs> but in everything by prayer. Paul would gently lead the troubled and anxious soul to humbly seek the peace of God, which, which alone can keep our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. And he says, seek that by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Making this commandment, listen to me, a delight. A delight. And before we go further into our text, let me show you what I mean by that with the words of the psalmist in Psalm 119, 77. Let thy tender mercies come unto me that I may live. Listen to me. Let thy tender mercies come unto me that I may live, for thy law is my delight. You see that? For thy law is my delight. But he says, let thy tender mercies come unto me that I may live, for thy law is my delight. Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. I like the, how he uses those, how that sentence is formed. Not, oh, how uh, lo I love thy law. Oh, how love I thy law. Not, oh, how I love. Oh, how love I thy law. <laughs> Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. This divine remedy that Paul gives us here, following this exhortation to be careful for nothing, listen to me, is inclusive and unique for believers only. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Do you see that? It's not for the lost, nor for the hypocrite, who does not always delight in the Almighty, nor will they always call upon his name. It's unique, and it's exclusive for believers only. But in all things, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. The divine deliverance is not the removal, listen to me, from all those things which cause anxiety and, and worries. Have you, have you noticed that in Paul's text? This is where a lot of people, expounders, miss this text because they generalize it. The divine deliverance is not the removal from all those things which cause anxiety and worries. Do you, do you read anywhere in there where Paul says, God's going to remove you from that which causes worry and anxiety? He doesn't say that. He said, you pray with, answer, with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. And when you do that, when you pray that manner, in that manner, when you pray like that, then the peace of God is going to keep your hearts and mind in in the midst of those things that cause anxiety. There's no promise of delivery from those things that cause anxiety, but a peace of heart and mind in the midst 
of those circumstances that cause people to worry and have anxiety. And uh, of all the, and of course, I know I'm not speaking of everyone. I want a blanket statement, everyone, but I listened to six different preachers this week. And I'm telling you, they all generalize this and miss the whole heart and substance of what Paul's talking about. Spent more time talking about things that we should be worried about. And 10 minutes on, this is why we need to pray. We just need to pray and trust God and then move on. And I thought they're missing everything. Is, is it any wonder that Christians live such a superficial Christianity in this day and age in which we live in? That Christians, who professing Christians, lack character and conduct and virtue? Is it any wonder that Christians are so easily moved by everything? The divine deliverance is not the removal, but it's the keeping of the heart and mind in the midst of them. That is a much greater, magnificent thing than being removed from anything that causes us to worry, to have peace of heart and mind in the midst of it. Just like we said last week in Romans, it's in all these things we are more than conquerors. It's in all these things. As Christ would pray to the Father in John chapter 17, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but, thou, <laughs> but that thou shouldest keep them from evil. That's what he said. John 17. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. So to Paul, following Christ's example, uh, would instruct us in praying not to be delivered from those things that might cause us anxiety and care, but that our hearts and minds be kept in the midst of them by the peace of God which passes all understanding through Christ Jesus. That is the amazing sovereign grace of God. That, dearly beloved, is amazing. Why do you think Paul uses the phrase, the peace of God which passes all understanding? It's beyond human compensation, beyond human reasoning or logic. But it does. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Do you have any idea of what I'm talking about when I say keeping peace of heart and mind in the midst of those circumstances which normally would cause us great anxiety and worry? Have you ever experienced just a touch of that? That's what Paul's talking about. You see, if we don't understand Scripture right, if we're not listening to Scripture, we're not reading and meditating, if we're not being instructed right, we don't know how to act right. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? Christianity is, is being able to live out what you know Scripture tells you to do. It's, 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 it's knowing the doctrine. For example, there's a difference between the trying of our faith and God afflicting us. Now, if I don't know whether God's afflicting me, Hebrews, or whether he's trying my faith, James and Peter, I'm not going to be able to pray aright. Because if he's trying my faith and I think he's afflicting me, I'm going, oh God, forgive me, what am I? And I'm going to be searching my heart. I'm not going to be able to find an answer quick enough. Praying with understanding, Paul says. That's why it's important for us to understand, like we said in Psalm chapter 50, who orders their words right, their phrases right, sees the salvation of the Lord. 
We need to pray with understanding. That's what Paul's trying to tell us there, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but even though Romans says we know not what we ought to pray for as we ought, here Paul gives us a precise manner by which to pray. He says, but by prayer and supplication with all thanksgiving. Make your request known unto God. He gives us a precise manner. Like I said, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And though it be true, like I said, as believers, we know not what we should pray for as we ought. The Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. Yet listen to the words of Paul, because Paul, in, in this divine manner of being careful for nothing, instructs us precisely in what manner of prayer we must exercise in order to obtain the peace of God which passes all understanding. I got so frustrated this week when all these expositors of this passage of Scripture, these preachers, basically merely said, you just need to pray. That's, 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 the, that's the remedy for anxiety. Pray. Well, no, Paul didn't say just pray. Paul gives us a precise manner. He says, but in all things, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request. There's a precise manner here. In everything, in everything by prayer. Now, let me make something very clear this morning as well. In these words of Paul, in everything by prayer, we looked at that last week. Christians ought to be in a praying state of mind all the time, praying all the time. Let me make something very clear this morning. He who only occasionally prays, or only when it's convenient, Though God, out of His great mercy and grace, might grant some measure of peace in their anxiety, will still struggle in knowing a greater measure of this peace of God. Paul is not saying occasional prayer, but in all things by prayer. Many people pray only occasionally. Some only when it's convenient. You're not going to be able to enjoy the blessings in their fullness of what Paul's talking about. And I'm not saying this is for the elite. I'm saying it's for those who know how to pray, those who are familiar with prayer, those who pray. Let me give you an illustration, even though most of these people are probably not Christians. People use this expression a lot. Well, I'm going to pray for you. Oh man, I'm in I'm in bad shape here, man. Can you pray for me? Yeah, I'll pray for you. This last week, and the individual he's talking about helping with them on on the job, her fiance, Friday when she came and told me that he's doing much better and this and that, and I I know not what her spiritual condition is, but I looked at her and says, now he's better. Now go to church on Sunday and thank God. You say, oh, if she's not a Christian, no, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a lost heathen. <laughs> Where are the other nine that did not return to give thanks? I'm telling you, whether they're lost, saved, of course, but whether they're lost or not, the creature owes thanks to God, even if, it, even if they're not saved. Are you following me? I'm telling you, God's sovereign. He demands it. He requires it. 
Give thanks unto the Creator. So I told her, I said, now go to church and thank God. Mm. It's not someone who just occasionally prays or when it's convenient. Those who are familiar with prayer, mm, they're the ones that can enjoy the blessings of this, but in all things, pray by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. They're going to know what that is. This manner of prayer which Paul exhorts us to pray is totally foreign to the man who only occasionally or when convenient prays. But for the man who prays always and without ceasing in all things, this manner of prayer under which Paul exhorts us to pray immediately begins to calm and quiet their anxious and troubled heart and mind. But in all things by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. A man or woman that's familiar with prayer, those words before they even begin praying gives them a sense of comfort. Yes, that's what it is. It's by prayer. Oh, if it was just an exhortation, be careful for nothing, and Paul went on, we'd all be in a mess. But Paul says, no, don't worry about nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God and the person and the believer who prays and is familiar with prayer, their hearts immediately begin to be comforted and drawn to prayer. Oh yes, prayer is the answer. Yes! That's the antidote. That's the remedy. for anxiety and worry is prayer. I don't have time to get into that this morning, but that's also, uh, for those who are familiar with prayer, we also know that that's not, for everyone, a pleasant remedy or that which they're looking for. You know, Most people are looking for immediate relief. We know, if we know anything about prayer, sometimes it takes a while. When we pray. Are you following me? Sometimes Daniel prayed how many days? The Lord prayed all night. Oh, we're immediately humbled by the fact not only that prayer is something that we don't know how to pray what for what we ought to pray for, and we need the Holy Spirit's uh, intercession to pray aright, but we also know that prayer is oftentimes not immediate. But sometimes, listen to me please, sometimes God would have us maintain a spirit of prayer in the midst of anxiety and worry that we might come to know His peace more fully. Pray. And not only that, but come to understand the comforts that prayer gives the believer. Even when... Uh, the circumstances of anxiety and worry are still present. Oh, let us find comfort and just merely pray. There's so much here in this text. It's amazing. Prayer fortifies the heart and mind. But just briefly in preparation for next week, because I want to get more into these, uh, this threefold cord 
more distinctly with each one, but just briefly this morning in preparation for next week, I want you to I want you to see something here. Listen, he says, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made in God. Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. Most people think supplication is the same as prayer. Well, it's praying, but it's not the same. You know what we do on Saturdays when we meet for prayer meeting? You know what we do when we pray for those who are in need on Sundays? You know what that kind of prayer is? It's supplication. Pray with understanding. It's supplication. Prayer, though it entails many things, listen to me, prayer is primarily, biblical prayer, the expression of praise to God for His divine mercies and grace, it's a heartfelt adoration for his perfections, his character, his attributes, his divine works. In other words, when we pray, we're lifting up God. We're praising his name for who he is. We're giving, and every prayer must and should begin in that form and fashion. We should always begin by lifting up the glories of God, the mercies and grace of our God, enter into His courts with praise and thanksgiving. We must always praise Him. That is specifically what prayer is. It's, it's worshiping God by lifting up His divine mercies and grace, His perfections, His character, His attributes, His divine works. We read that in Psalm 50. Remember some of the verses? That's what prayer is. Okay? So Paul says, but in all things by prayer. First, lift up God. Praise his name. Praise his character, his attributes. But he says, and supplication. See, prayer and. They go together. This is a threefold chord. And supplication. You know what supplication is? Supplication, beloved, is an earnest, humble, reverent request. It's an earnest, humble request. Reverend request. It's a petition for specific needs. That's what supplication is. So when we pray, Paul says, first glorify God, lift God up, and then make your earnest, reverent request before God. It's for a specific need. That's supplication. Oh, and Thanksgiving. Lord, forgive us if we ever pray without a heart, like our brother said, even praying this morning. Lord, forgive us for ever praying without a heart of thanksgiving. Prayer and supplication and both of these things, lifting up God, praising God, making our request, both of those things with thanksgiving. It's a humble adoration and heartfelt thankfulness for all God is and does on the believer's half, thanking God for what he's done. Again, the ten lepers. Where are the other nine that has not come and give thanks to God? Thankfulness. All three of these things. But let me close this and give you food for thought for next week. You know what all three of these things combined? You know what they interpret? You know what their meaning is? Listen to me. Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, you know what that is? Paul says, be careful for nothing. And let me use all these three combined together. Be careful for nothing, but worship God. That's what they're doing. Prayer is one of the highest forms of worship. 
supplication, thanksgiving, worship. In other words, Paul's saying, worship God. Our brother again said it this morning, pray. Lord, help us be thankful and worship you. That's what he's basically saying. Job's a wonderful illustration at the end of Job chapter 1. Then Job arose, rent his mantle, shaved his head, fell down upon the ground, and worshipped. Worship God. What are we doing this morning? We're gathered here to worship God. My heart breaks when I hear professing Christians to say today, say, oh, we don't need the church. I can worship God at home. I got a computer in front of me and I can join church. Oh, no, you can't. That's not church. I'm telling you, that's not it. There's something to the saints of God gathered together on God's appointed day to sing praise and psalms and hear the preaching of the Word of God. That is worship. That's the biblical type of worship. Don't let the world fool you into thinking that there's anything short of that. That's where we worship God. This is where we, as well, can relieve our anxious and worried field's hearts. But that's what Paul is basically saying. Worship God. But in all things, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And when you do that, here is the result. The things that cause you fear and anxiety will be removed. Nope. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding. It's not just peace peace of God, which passes all understanding. We have peace with God through Christ, peace with God. Therefore, having peace with God, we have peace with God through Christ. Here Paul says, peace of God. Not only does it have its origin in God and from God, but God gives it. God's God's peace, my peace I give unto you, <laughs> not as the world giveth it. <sighs> And the peace of God. Let me ask you something. Is there anything that can trouble God? Is God troubled by anything? I was telling my wife, by example, this morning, I was looking at the news, and it says, in, just on the front page of it, there's like seven or eight articles saying, a uh, six-year-old kid goes to school with gun, nine people shot and killed, a woman shoots a, a woman in the parking lot because they're having trouble with the parking, arguing over the parking, shoots her in the back in front of her kids, and I'm going, there's no wonder this world is full of anxiety and worry. Look at this. You can't even go into Walmart without looking over your shoulder, wondering if some fanatical is going to walk in and start knocking people over with us machine gun or a, a gun or something anywhere you go the world's full of worry and anxiety they have nowhere to go we do we have something that passes all understanding through Christ Jesus man I've been saved 35 or 40 years and I have barely come to understand what Christ has obtained for me as a believer in his salvation. I have not even scratched the surface. There's so much Christ has obtained. Not only peace with God, but peace of God. May God grant us the mercy and grace as we look further next week into one of each one of these uh, petitions. May we learn what manner of prayer 
that we should bring before God in times of anxiety and worry that we might know something more of the peace of God which passes all understanding that keeps our hearts and our minds. Hearts and minds. Those are the two things that trouble us the most. People say, I can't sleep at night. Why not? My mind won't shut off. Why? I'm worried about things. Well, peace of God will keep. It's militant. It'll be a refuge. It'll put a guard around it. And your heart, you won't worry. You won't be afraid. You won't be fearful. That's what we need to have more of. Let us not generalize these truths of Paul, but let us dig deep into them. Amen? Shall we wondrous things out of thy law? Amen? May God be gracious to us and help us to know something of this peace. So pray, dearly beloved, pray with supplication and thanksgiving. And I like, and we're not there yet, but I like how he says, let your request be known. God, a request. He didn't say let your worries and let your request. Let your request. It's almost like Paul is saying, calmly. You don't run into God's presence radically and fanatical and, oh, God, I'm losing it. No. Let your request be made known. It's amazing the wording, let it be known unto God. Is there anything God don't know? What's Paul mean by let them be known unto God? Is God ignorant of my... No. We'll look into that too. And once you've done that, Paul says, then you know the peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, dear Lord, I, there's no way that I've ever in 35 years of preaching, ever felt that after preaching thy word, I've done you any honor. Because, Lord, your word is too magnificent of itself. No human being could ever could ever do you the honor that you deserve. But I do pray that, Father, you would bless the efforts of this unprofitable servant. And, Lord, that your word would reach out to your children. And that, Lord, you'd help them, help us all, to know something more of this peace of God which passes on understanding. Give us, Lord God, hearts to understand what Paul's encouragement and exhortation is. Help us to know something of praying, supplication, and thanksgiving. And Lord, I pray most of all that in all of this, you'd be honored and glorified, for that's basically what Paul's saying. Be careful for nothing, but worship God. And by worshiping you, Lord, will enjoy the peace of God. Father, I pray now that you'd be honored and glorified in all things. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.